When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. I'm very pleased to be joined for today's podcast by Aaron Prill. Aaron is Vice President of Critical Facilities at OAC Services, Inc. I was particularly interested in having a conversation with Aaron in part because of how he describes himself and his role and approach in highly technical and complex projects, doing so with a large measure of recognition of soft skills, and appears he understands them well. I was also interested in meeting Aaron because of the company he represents, OAC Services. OAC has integrated ideas like love and inclusion and everything they do with their fellow team members and their clients. It's clear to me that Aaron understands and supports these ideas in his pursuit of excellence. Focusing on mission-critical facilities, Aaron has been in the construction industry for over 22 years. He has built, managed, and mentored teams all over North America to help build communications infrastructure that society now depends on daily. Aaron works hard to create and cultivate strong, positive relationships and promotes mental health awareness and maintenance. Aaron, welcome to the Soft to Steel podcast. Well, thanks for having me. I hope you didn't mind that I added a few thoughts to your introduction. No, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I may just seem even greater than you already are. I mean, just it's, 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 what a way to start the interview. Right. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. Yeah. Share this with Sean. Say to Sean, he made me just something almost godlike, Sean. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know how to pump up a guy's ego. <laughs> well, I mean those thoughts because you know where I'm coming from. Absolutely. And I thank you so much for agreeing to, to have this conversation. I'm the soft skills guy. You know, yeah. the book I wrote back in 2019 has continued to be the basis for my message in particular to the construction industry, but really to industry, commerce, any endeavor. And that is that the difference maker is related to the how a person is as they deal with folks yep. and that their qualities come through in the way they represent themselves, the way they communicate and the things that they do. And I get that you get that just based on how you described yourself again. And again, the fact that as we were getting ready to begin this conversation, your mention of how you view OAC services is more like a family. And I support that impression. I agree with it. And I think that I want to hear more from you about, again, you're dealing with, again, complex technical projects. So that part is very clear. It's not just a high-rise building. Right. It may not be as big as a high-rise building, but then again, it might be if it's a data warehouse or some other things, but it's complex. And complexity challenges people. And so my first question for you to just get your thoughts on is just as a general thought, as you fill your role and your relationship with your clients in particular, how do you use your qualities? And you can say what I think they are. If you say, I consider myself to be this kind of a person and how it helps you to both establish your relationship with your clients, but also nurture it and make it as successful as it can be by virtue of not just your technical excellence, but how you are as you serve them. Sure. Well, firstly, I tend to listen more than I talk. And that's, especially for our clients, that's important just for society, right? I mean, it's better to listen than before 
responding, right? And make sure you understand what the message is being communicated. And it's not just what's being said, but also how it's being said. Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine mentioned this to me that she felt that I make people feel comfortable in a room, say whatever it is. So I really try to never be the smartest one in the room, very humble and make people comfortable so that they can open up and talk without fear of being any kind of negative reinforcement, I guess. So I think that's the biggest thing is get people comfortable so that they can trust you and can rely on you and then lead by example and help support them. Everybody makes mistakes. I make mistakes. But if folks are comfortable in making those mistakes, they'll actually learn from them too. Yeah. A lot of it is just reinforcing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's terrific. I mean, did you write all the, make notes of the things you wanted to say? Did you make notes? <laughs> no, no. no of course you did. And that's, yeah. again, that's the fun and interesting part of, of, uh, of, of this experience is that we didn't, we didn't have advanced preparation. Um, right. Because again, implicitly, uh, I can tell as I listen to your words that you, you speak with your clients and, and uh, in the relationship you, you're trying to build uh, with the foundation of your technical knowledge and abilities, which is uh, what they value for, for at, at, as a basic. You got to be able to do the job. Job. Absolutely. Um, but what I hear in you is that uh, uh, is that you understand yourself well. You were given a gift by one of your peers or colleagues or that individual that that described you to you, uh, yeah. and, and that and it is a gift uh, because sometimes um, you know I, one of the questions I, that I used in in the research for my book was that if I if I were to ask you know someone that knew you very well uh, over a period of time how they would describe you, what do you think they would say? Uh, you know, so putting the person on the spot, uh, you answered that question actually for me without me asking the question, which again, just another another aspect of your brilliance. I mean, we're we're uncovering so much about you uh, in this short conversation. <laughs> um, but what you said, it just it, it makes me feel real good because that's what it's all about, and and so you clearly get it. I was struck by uh, the combination of words in in a portion of your introduction. Uh, where you said you work hard to create and cultivate strong, positive relationships. And, and we've already ad kind of addressed that and how you do it, this notion of trying to make feel, uh, people feel comfortable so they can trust you. Incredibly, you know, on point, valuable qualities to possess, to be, to be able to do that with individuals so that they can trust you uh, is, is incredibly important uh, yeah. to your success uh, and to their satisfaction with the service you deliver as well. But you close that sentence by by saying promotes mental health awareness and maintenance. Um, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by that. Again, it's one of the things that I talk about quite a bit. Uh, but I'm intrigued that that you thought that it was important for you to include that in terms of how you described yourself. Share with us what your thoughts are. So I'm very introverted. So being around a lot of people uh, actually is difficult for me. So mm -hmm. um, it drains me. Like th this weekend at the conference. Every day I have to meditate and mm -hmm. uh, several times a day just to, to ground myself, to um, clear my head mm -hmm. and um, so that I can be the best me when I need it, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of it is, is um, I, <clears throat> I watched this podcast, uh, um, I'm sorry, it was a TED Talk and uh, I, I don't remember the exact title of it, but um, it's a it's one that um, the the um, speaker says uh, use it a uses an analogy um, that 
children at say five years old know to put a bandaid on a cut, but we don't know how to take care of our, our mental selves, our, our emotional selves. Mm -hmm. And so um, the um, emotional hygiene is so important, especially when we're under pressure. Um, and it took me a long time to learn that. <laughs> um, but um, still to, to this day, I, I meditate, you know, as often as I can, as often as, often as I need to and promote it. So when I onboard uh, new people uh, onto my team, that's a component of my uh, onboarding uh, presentation is they have to watch that TED talk and mm -hmm. they, they don't have to follow it by any means. It's up to them, but I make them, uh, understand or help them understand that it's important for me that they, um, take care of themselves. Um, and that's mm -hmm. not just physical, but also mental. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's unusual for, uh, for a leader, um, to self-describe that as part of, how they how they talk about who they are uh, is to is to recognize the importance of a practice. And again, I'm I'm one of those people that you know I read a lot, and uh, I think I know some things. Uh, I know that that uh, meditation is uh, is a very valuable practice, uh, and I don't do it. You know, I know that stretching is very valuable for me of my advanced age to to keep my golf swing intact, but I don't do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so uh, any credibility I have for anything I talk about, I have none. Because, <laughs> so, um, and, and yes, I do have a bit of a sense of humor, which, uh, which I, I, get the, I get the biggest kick out of, uh, uh, out of your boss uh, getting him to laugh <laughs> when he laughs at some of the things that I say. Because yep. some of the things are actually ridiculous. But, um, but again, there's just, um, I, I don't mean to be so gracious, but I'm just, I'm just so impressed with the few things that you've said so far. Uh, and I, I can't wait for people to hear what you're talking about. So I'm going to put you, I'm going to make it a little more interesting for you. Uh, you may recall from reading my one pager that uh, I have four pillars uh, that I'm uh, interested in, in uh, pursuing conversation. Uh, back in February, I, I ran a, f a four hour live virtual summit and uh, we had four one hour discussions. I don't know if you have had a chance to view it. Uh, I would encourage you to do it when you have time. The people that I had in the conversation were incredible. You know, people like yourself, really high, yeah. high quality people, not, not, not concerned about talking about things like love, emotions, feelings, those kinds of things. So my four pillars were love. So we had a discussion about that. We talked about inclusion and social justice as a third. And the last was leadership. Uh, and obviously, given your your le level of experience and area responsibility, um, you you are every day both managing, uh, but also providing leadership. And the way you describe your onboarding process is a clear manifestation of of, of really positive, forward thinking and forward feeling leadership, as I, I would describe it. Tell me what you think about love and its role, and what you do, and what uh, what OEC does, because again, you're part of a, an organization that talks about it. Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's a part of my everyday routine, right? I, I'm not ashamed to, to use the word love. Um, I, I tell people that I care about that I, I love them. Um, and they see it, whether I say it or not, because I, I'm there uh, for them. Right. And we are <clears throat> a little bit different now with the, you know, remote working, but you see your, your coworkers a lot more than you see your family even. Right. And so, mm -hmm. Over time, you just develop that that love, that family sense of family, and 
want to help them, right? Then they want to help you. And ultimately that family is there to, they want to see you succeed. They want to see everybody else succeed and, and it helps each other. That also translates to the clients. They see that. It's also the, the tradesmen, the trade partners, the, the general contractors, everybody sees it. And when everybody is working together for a common purpose, rather than working against each other to, you know, complete a project, they're all, everyone's successful and you feel a lot better for it. You, you're happy to go to work every day. Um, sometimes you're even sad to leave work. You know, uh, it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, I was lucky enough to get into industry that I absolutely love right out of college. And I, I just want to continue to promote it. Um, but I want to do it in such a way that everybody understands or feels the same way that I do, I guess about it. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and that's, that's just it. And it, it's ultimately you're happier for it. So it's life's too short to, uh, to be mad at something, you know, for too long. Right. It's just mm -hmm. things happen get over it, move on, support each other and, and, uh, things will work out. Yes. 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 <laughs> I, I, this, I, I'm, I, again, I, I apologize. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thrilled with, with, uh, your, your thoughts and how you're expressing them. Um, uh, I, I can see why you, you fit in at OAC services for sure. Um, Absolutely. Cause I think, uh, you know, if Sean was, if Sean was listening to this conversation, he'd say, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. Which I, I just think it's, uh, you know, we, we look at, at, uh, at, uh, how, how folks define success. Um, and, uh, uh, and a lot of times it's, it's defined simply as uh, meeting budget and schedule, uh, or making, you know, making the target pro profit on the job. Um, uh, you know, and I think, uh, I think the question for you is how do you measure success? What is success to you? Success to your, to your point about, you know, meeting a schedule or a budget or things like that, that is, that's a component of success, but success is more than that, that single project. It is, you've made positive relationships in that completing of that project and you're going to, which will lead to more projects essentially, right? That is success to me is just the continued relationship and making more relationships, strong relationships, ones that, you know, if, if something went wrong, you know, on a project, those people would be there for you. And, you know, it's, or if you're just not having a great day, they're there to pick you up because um, chances are you're doing the same for them. So it's, it's really being able to, to support each other, you know, cheer for each other, be a shoulder to cry on if necessary, whatever that is. But um, that's a successful project. Mm -hmm. You don't draw a hard line between uh, being the uh, the client handler or, or uh, client representative and, uh, and building a relationship with that individual or individuals that includes other facets of humanity. Again, yep. just how, how you, how you deal with them in a more familial way. Again, again, we've both been in the construction industry a long time and, uh, and we still, uh, it doesn't matter what uh, what type of construction it is, what sector it is. There are still some, you know, just well-worn 
just genetic defects in the construction industry and one of the one of the greatest areas of, of, of disease uh, are contracts yep and still how they're written and the simple notion that they're written to favor the author and all those kinds of things and uh, yeah. so you know with that if, if, if you accept that idea that we, that we can still do better in terms of just the, the whole nature of describing what should be primarily the legal relationship but then also defines other things with the scope and all the documents that are, and the drawings et cetera et cetera how do we try to to, to manage that uh, so that they don't be that, that they're not an obstacle to building a relationship with another person how do you manage around that well again everybody has to be on the same page on that right you're absolutely right the contracts have to be there for legal purposes i get that that understand that but as soon as it's signed put it in the desk drawer and lock it up hopefully you never have to pull it out right you mm-hmm. and never reference it i i work hard and have to never have to say well contractually you owe me this but that doesn't help anyone for one all of, all of a sudden you're going to put somebody on their heels and they're going to be very defensive immediately and then they'll close up right they won't talk about whatever you need to talk about so it is put it in that put it in the drawer and then like i love kicking off projects with just everybody on the team that needs to work together is go out to coffee go out to breakfast go whatever it is but have some fun together, get to know each other, get to understand what the challenges they might have at home, why they might have to call in sick one day, whatever that might be. But really, you're going to be working with those folks for a while. You might as well get to know them and and befriend them, right? It, it's mm-hmm. It's in your benefit as much as it is the benefit of the project overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that entirely. So relationship, you, you use relationship in introducing yourself. You've used the word a bunch of times. Can, can you think of an example, a little, uh, maybe a story, uh, where, where your success in building a relationship with some individual, some client, was particularly important and how it was important in dealing with a major disagreement? Absolutely. I was actually on the general contractor side. I was a, a senior project manager. I was working on a data center in uh, Denver, Colorado, and the owner's rep, initially it started out, the, the, the general contractor um, had hired me because the, the project had uh, didn't have a very good start. Um, and there was a lot of um, change orders and a lot of just legal stuff going back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I came in and turned that around by, again, building relationships on the project team and setting down with the owner's representative and saying, look, we, we need to work together for this project to be successful. I'm not going to be successful and you're not going to be successful unless the entire project is successful. So how do we do that? So over the next several months, we worked at doing that at the same time as their, you know, our day jobs, building the project. And by the, I want to say by about six months into that project, we we had settled all the change orders. We had settled, um, and you know, there was give and take on both sides, right? Some were, some were justified, some were not. But we we bartered back and forth, and and we uh, made it successful, is what it came down to. Um, the project then became less confrontational. All meetings were just, they were great meetings. It, it was almost 
like uh, instead of calling it a meeting, we were just sitting around chatting is what it was like. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we would brainstorm if we had a potential problem or, you know, a delay is coming up. And we'd sit there and what can we do here? What can we do there? Those kind of things. And to this day, I am great friends with that owner's rep Mm -hmm. after all of that. And Mm -hmm. um, that was the, the gentleman that actually asked OAC to hire me. Really? The years later. Yes. Terrific. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you for that. That that's a great that's a great story. Um yeah, it's uh I always wonder uh, about folks who have been in in our industry for a long time uh who still talk in in very hard tactical terms uh, about what they do and about their relationships. You know, again, trades contractors, the subs you know, they, you know, they say, continue to say all these horrible things about the general contractor. Yep. General contractor says all these horrible things about the owner's representative. And it just, it just kind of keeps spinning around. Uh, and, uh, and, and you wonder when they're going to kind of stick a fork in it uh, and realize that, that uh, there's, a, there's a different way to do this. Yep. Uh, uh, and it's, it's a way that, uh, that obviously you understand and are comfortable with. Um let me. I want to move into another area. Uh, again, one of the unfortunate things about this conversation is it's uh, it's uh, it's by design a, a roughly thirty minute conversation because I'm told that if you get past thirty minutes, people st- don't don't even start listening, and I'm, I don't want people to miss at some point in time uh, being able to listen to this conversation, particularly listen to you. You know, you, you hear things like uh, you know the the construction industry is challenged by uh, by a labor shortage. Uh, you know, we can't find the talent of people we need in any category, whether it's a, a pure pure let's call it office based or managerial professional or the trades professionals, and uh, and we're overlooking different uh, different segments of the population, uh, racially or ethnically or otherwise. Uh, and that's why uh, I thought it was important in, in my summit to talk about inclusion and social justice. Um, because again, those are two things that relate to the harsh realities of being human beings. What are your thoughts about what having to understand and, and, uh, and practice, uh, in your relationships, inclusiveness, uh, as well as, uh, you know, thinking about how do we process what we've experienced in the last three years, uh, which included a, 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 a health crisis, uh, an economic crisis and a social crisis. So what are your thoughts about that and how it's affected you? The way I look at inclusion is maybe different than I think others do. I'm all for inclusion, but I I work really hard not to think about it. it it's a color of skin. It's it's the uh, male, female, what whatever it is. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the skills. Are are do they have a desire to learn? What do they want to learn? And how can I help them learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody learns a little bit differently. I'm dyslexic. It takes me a long time to read. Um, I'm not very wordy. I, you know, I don't have a huge vocabulary. Um, so it takes me sometimes a while to find the right words. And, um, so I've had to learn over many years of how, how to learn, right? Everybody needs that. And how can we, as folks already in the industry, regardless of background, help new people come into the industry regardless of background mm-hmm. and not worry about their background. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's who they are as a person and what do they want to learn? What do they, what do they, you know, what are their life goals, right? This is, mm-hmm. again, we, we work most of our lives. 
everybody's got goals, whether it's personal or, or professional. How do we support those? Um, again, regardless of background. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. I like the way you exp express that, that. I think it's, uh, I think it's very uh, relatable. Um, yeah. And uh, you mentioned something else about yourself uh, and that's, that is your dys uh, dyslexia. Yep. When was it diagnosed or when did you realize it? Or because you're, we're, you know, now it's, you know, I've got, I've got a dear, very dear friend whose son who's in eighth grade. Uh, they they finally arrived at a dual diagnosis. One of the part of the diagnosis is dyslexia and the impacts it has on his learning, also his self-image and so many things. That's a, a, an element of who you are as a person, Aaron. How's, what, what has it meant to you? Yeah, I found out, uh, I think I was my second year in college is when uh, I was just struggling and uh, they decided to test me for it and it made sense. So um as a result of that, I got uh, I was able to have longer, more more time to complete tests and things like mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. that was really the only uh, um, addition that they gave me. But I had to again learn how to learn, um, and it still took took a while. Mm -hmm. But it, it's uh, today it's just a component of who I am, and I I know I have to give myself <laughs> you know an, an extra couple hours to read a contract and others might take. Mm -hmm. um, I have to take notes. Um, I, I, uh, I have pretty poor memory too. So I have to take notes and what I want to remember, why I want to remember it. Um, and by doing that helps me to remember it. But then I also can go back to it um, mm -hmm. time and time again. I have so many notebooks around my office <laughs> that I go back to. Um, yeah. And I've learned to use OneNote now too. So um, that now I can take it anywhere with me. So, mm -hmm. um, that, that absolutely helps as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Again, as I think about, you know, going back to a minute to the notion of inclusion, which another closer to related term that we hear a lot about is diversity, diversity, equity, inclusion are all brought together. In fact, your company, OAC services was, I think a lead sponsor or a lead promoter of an event just this past week. Yep. I saw a posting on LinkedIn. So again, another example of how in sync you are just based on how I've come to know you in this very short conversation with a very good company. And I might all say, because I don't mind promoting, you know, really good things, a company that's been recognized as a great place to work Absolutely. in the Seattle area. So it means a lot of good reasons for that. And as part of the conversation, you mentioned the dyslexia. When people talk about diversity, that's about differences. Yep. And one of the things that I say to audiences and folks quite a bit is in the form of a question. And the question is, what's one thing that you and I have in common? One thing without any dispute that you and I and everybody else that you and I meet have in common with each other. And, and the simple short answer, which is almost trite to say it, but it's that we're different from each other yep. and different in numerous ways, whether it's ethnic, racial, educational background, upbringing, other kinds of situations like being dyslexic or being ADHD, whatever. We're different in a variety of ways. And what I hear with great pleasure, uh, again, I'm, not, I'm being too, way too nice to you. Let, <laughs> we're going to edit all this nice stuff out. But I will say to you that, again, because you commented early on about how one of the things you try to do, and apparently you do it successfully, is you try to make people feel comfortable. Yep. And I'm very comfortable talking to you. So I commend you for how you choose to be, yeah. because, I, you know, I always talk about you have to have the technical capability to do your job yep. and yours is highly technical. But how you do it is the difference maker. That's what helps a person to let people know who they're dealing with and yep. not simply I'm a vice president and I've got project assignment to do your project. It's about who you are as a person. 
Yep. And, and the way we learn about who people are in our lives is based on what they say to us and what they do in terms of interacting with us. And that's why I think relationships are the difference maker. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I feel like what we've talked about here is seems like common sense a lot of times, right? Mm -hmm. But it's hard to do that if you're not used to doing it, right? So you have to be accepting of that. It's hard work to do it, mm -hmm. right? It's hard work to change. Change is hard. We don't do it well, right? It mm -hmm. takes time to do it. But if it's something that calls to you, I think try building relationships and be vulnerable, right? Be there for somebody because they're going to be there for you. I can't take it anymore. I can't, I just can't take this. <laughs> I just, you know, I can't, I can't wait for, I can't wait for, for Sean to listen to this, um, you know, but again, I commend you for how you represent who you are as a person. Thank you. And I'm certain that it contributes to your success, but probably as importantly, I think it probably contributes to your self view and probably contributes to you not only being successful in what you do, but also being happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that if I were to sit here quietly, you'd probably say, well, Dennis, one of the things that helps me be happy is I meditate. Yeah. But this has been an incredible conversation for me. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Absolutely. And I wish you well in everything you do. And I know our paths but I will cross uh, for sure. I hope they do. Yes. Yeah. In person. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go out and get my variance uh, booster <laughs> so I can safely travel to the West Coast. I've gotten my flu go. shot. Good. But thank you for taking this time. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Softest Steel podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.